Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. My name is Neil Mackay, I'm your host, and today I have Greg Lee with me. Greg is a freelance football journalist from London. He moved to Saigon in January, and he is a digital nomad. Uh, He's, like many people, planned to stay for a short time, and then uh, really enjoyed Saigon, so decided he didn't want to go anywhere else, so he's going to be staying here for the foreseeable future, Uh, and we're going to talk to Greg about why he came to Saigon, what he does here, and what's life like in Saigon for him. So thanks for joining me today, Greg. No problem. Thanks for having me. So where are you from in the UK? Uh, London. Now, are you really from London? Are you one of those people who Uh, you're like somewhere in the south of England, but I'm going to say I'm from London. No, London, yeah. (laughs) But I know the people you mean, and they probably annoy me as much as they annoy you. Um, No, yeah. uh, Kind of on the outskirts, I guess. Yeah. Bordering Surrey, but yeah, London, Croydon. Uh, I went to university in Nottingham. All right. So in the middle of the UK, um, but apart from that, that's kind of pretty much it until I came here. So yeah, yeah. not just a new experience in Saigon, but also a kind of new experience of living abroad. As oh well. wow! Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that in a second. Then, so what did you study at university? Uh, politics. Right. Yeah. Which I chose because I basically didn't know what I wanted to do, and I thought I'd pick something relatively open. Yeah. Found it quite interesting, which yeah. is a decent starting point, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I kind of didn't didn't have. An, 
any idea at all beforehand or even afterwards to be honest what I wanted to do so I thought at least I'm not kind of that too far down one path by following like a vocational thing and then regretting it later so yeah um, it was good fun and then yeah kind of didn't do anything to do with politics so and then so you, so you did your degree in politics and then mm. how did you get into football journalism it seems like the dream job for most football fans yeah it's really lucky and it's one of those things where obviously there's the stresses that, that come with every job but you kind of do have to remind yourself it is, it is still a great a great gig to have um, I started doing it after uni partly because I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, so I had a lot of free time started writing articles as a hobby and kind of gradually just got right place right time I think got some freelance work and I think once once one publication kind of agreed to pay me for something I kind of thought yeah I can kind of not work for free anymore um, and yeah I, I got very fortunate in some ways because the vacancies opened up and people became available that might not have if I'd come at a different time but um, yeah managed to get enough freelance work to kind of sustain it as a as a full-time job because um, a lot of people I think it, a lot of people do it as a hobby um, so sometimes when I say this is what I do they assume I kind of just do it as a hobby but you assume I, you're an English teacher yeah also he kind of writes a bit, a of, bit of blogging yeah, yeah. yeah so how long did it take after your spell in Italy to then move overseas and then what, what spurred that decision to leave uh, Europe so it was about four years I think mm-hmm. um, during that time I've always been freelance with my job but mm-hmm. I've had kind of one main employer throughout and that employer has changed um, and a lot of those have required me to be in one location namely London mm-hmm. I used to attend matches so I had to be there every weekend uh, to go to games and then around around this time last year, as I say, I kind of realised that most of my roles now could kind of be done from anywhere, um, just using the internet. Um, I kind of had a little chat with one of my main employers at the time, would that be a problem for them? And they said, as long as I get the work done, no. Um, so I gradually looked more into it. I kind of wanted to, I didn't want to go to Europe because I thought if I go to Europe, I'm liable to kind of just come back every now and then, which is convenient in some ways but I, I kind of wanted a spell where I was like having a really different change of culture different way of life experience something different uh, but I also wanted to go somewhere where I knew there would be kind of people in a similar position uh, remote workers digital nomads type thing uh, and Asia at that point was always kind of my favourite for that and I think like Bali and Chiang Mai and Thailand are the two most popular places for that type sort of thing but for me, coming from London maybe as well, it didn't really appeal so much. I think the impression I get of those places, as nice as they are, is that you can kind of become a little bit trapped in a Western kind of bubble. Or you're on a beach, living with kind of... And that whole resort is filled with it's people doing exactly what you're doing, which in some ways is lovely, but whether you would feel like you're actually living in Thailand or Indonesia, I'm not, not sure. Um, whereas here, you kind of have the best of both worlds, as I see it, because you have a really solid network of expats or digital nomads remote workers so people who are experiencing the same things as you um but also you can live in a very low i live in bintan so quite a local area and you can really feel like you're actually experiencing a different country a different culture Uh, so yeah and as you mentioned in the introduction i thought i'd stay here for three months and then kind of go off somewhere else for three months but yeah still here now and no real plans to to leave I came uh, with my wife to do a teacher training. We were going to be here for a month, maybe six weeks, mm. and then we were going to move on. It's nearly three years now. We're yeah, still here. We're going to be here for the foreseeable yeah. future. And most people who I've met who have ended up staying for a lengthy period, as you, as you mentioned, <laughs> got very similar stories. <laughs> Nobody to planned to come here no, for like no. an extended period of time. Yeah. And so, out of those places, then, what 
ultimately made you choose Saigon as your destination? Um, researching it, it was. It seems to be kind of the third, ranked third in terms of. I mean, these are very loose definitions, but um, how many people were here doing the digital nomad kind of thing? Um, and because those top two are kind of ruled out because of that, um, those issues. I visited, as I said, Vietnam two years ago, and I, as a tourist, I preferred Hanoi. Um, I found it a bit more interesting, a bit more kind of character. I thought at that stage, um, but yeah, really noticeable difference even then when I didn't know so much about the country. When you come down to Saigon, a lot more kind of cosmopolitan and international, which I think as a place to live is is what you want really. Loads of cool places to eat and drink, and uh, just great atmosphere, great kind of dynamism. I think. Um, so that really appealed as well and even when I was here two years ago I had no plans at that stage to, to live anywhere or even thinking about that sort of thing um, I kind of thought yeah this is quite a cool place I could imagine kind of it would be good to live here um, and here I am <laughs> <laughs> and so when you were saying uh, Saigon was ranked third yeah what what makes that because I've read things like Saigon or Vietnam actually has like really fast internet yes is that true and is that what's, what are the barometers that made it the third best place to go there's a, there's a really interesting website which I think has slightly different rankings called uh, Nomad List. So it, it takes into account loads of different factors, internet speed being one of them, um, kind of entertainment options, uh, weather, uh, cost of living, all these kind of things and generates this kind of overall score. Um, and it kind of does tick a lot of boxes, I think. Um, it's still affordable um, compared to a lot of places. I was in Japan in April and great place, but <laughs> unfortunately can't afford to live somewhere like that um so that that helps yeah internet speed is is good and also how widespread the internet is i guess so there's lots of cafes and coffee shops and stuff where you can get it um there's a lot of co-working spaces here um so i worked at one which is moving location at the moment so it's temporarily closed but um really good kind of community to it they have like they had daily lunches activities social stuff every week so i kind of wanted something like that as well where i could so you feel like you're kind of working with you're not isolated just exactly yeah because recently as i say they're moving locations so it's been closed and i've been trying out different ones with my group of friends that i made at this previous one and a lot of them are great places to work like they have all the great views and great kind of really fast wi-fi but it's kind of very much an individual pursuit that people just kind of getting their work done which is understandable obviously but I think one thing that maybe Chiang Mai and Bali their locations do maybe encourage a bit more is that community field it does have I think it I've been to both places but not for work and I think they do have that kind of more relaxed vibe um, city this size probably can never have so I think it probably is a bit easier to kind of make those connections but as I say best of both here because I found managed to find a place where you can do that but also have all the the stuff that a big city like this has to offer would say yeah ideal mix really and that, so I just read your article which was in the Guardian just yeah. a couple of days ago about being a, a digital nomad so, and it, the numbers are crazy right like what is how many digital nomads are there now in the world well, it's really hard to define there's no official figure because it, by its nature people moving around a lot um, it's very hard to track I know the the United States have done kind of some research into people who work remotely and I can't remember the exact figures now which is showing me up here but um, <laughs> yeah it's in the millions of people who now work remotely within the US so that doesn't necessarily mean a digital nomad that mm. means you maybe work from home or you work in kind of but it's a complete shared office space. culture change right for yeah. like our generation that yeah absolutely our parents generation and 
before that, you know, you go somewhere to work and you yeah. sit down at your desk. And I mean, even my job, so I manage a charity. I, a lot of my work I can do from home. I yeah. do work from home sometimes. I, I don't need to be yeah. in the office from 8.30 to 5.30. Like, the concept of that now is becoming old-fashioned. Definitely. Right? It does seem like a strange kind of... When you separate yourself from it and kind of just objectively, I guess, if you can try and look down on that kind of working culture... I think obviously some jobs will always need that, but obviously, yeah. increasingly, if your job is done on the internet and can be done from anywhere, and if you can kind of prove that it's not affecting the uh, your kind of ability to deliver or the quality of the work or whatever, then I think it will increasingly become a thing. I mean, there's a guy, my friend of mine in Saigon, he's from France, and he's he's only twenty or twenty one, and he basically quit his studies. I mentioned him in the article actually. Uh, in France he kind of wasn't he, he's a very smart guy I think he was studying maths but he didn't find the way of teaching and the way of kind of studying there suited him so he's come out here and he's kind of building his own online maths course and stuff like that so it's not just there's a lot of entrepreneurial people who are doing it as well it's not only people who have the, the fixed job and then take it remote some people work the other way around they decide I want to go remote what can I do what jobs can I do to kind of hmm. be able to to live that lifestyle and it's so easy to work even as a team now with communication so yeah. I mean I'll be working on a project with my colleague and I'm sitting at home and we're just con- continually communicating we can be working on the same document exactly, with yeah. Google Drive yeah. and things like that and so and in terms of the environment as well which now lately you know the environment finally it's been building mm-hmm. but now yeah. it's really getting to a critical mass of politicians and the world is really now starting to say like, we need to declare an emergency to or we're going to the planet's done and so you think about in terms of transport and emissions that everyone yeah. spends to get to an office yeah. that they don't need to be at. Yeah. Like, that's another thing that could be... Definitely. Yeah, there's helpful. a lot of factors. Yeah, I think it is... It's obviously something which is increasing, but I can't see that kind of trend being being reversed. And mm. you kind of wonder how far it would it would go. Even, like you say, you could still be living in the same place you live, but working from home or working in different locations. Just that ability, I think, to, to be able to do it from anywhere is increasingly becoming becoming a thing that uh, is viable for a lot of people it's definitely more common the last time I was back in the states visiting my wife's family her cousin and her roommate worked from home mm. like they had the whole office set yeah. up and it was all paid for by the company and I think it was even it was taking phone calls but you know you can set up everything yeah. that can be done in an office yeah, and exactly. can be done from home yeah and so, pretty good for them. They could just roll out of bed and exactly, <laughs> yeah, start yeah. work right yeah, away. Yeah, not That's bad commute, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what would you say for people that are thinking of being a digital nomad? You know, I think a lot of people, it sounds like the dream almost, mm. right? Like for many people back home in the UK, it's pouring with rain. <laughs> London, the transport, and they're like, you know, I could be sitting on a beach in Thailand yeah. doing this, drinking a coconut, typing away. What, what are the realities of being a digital nomad and what are the benefits and what are the the disadvantages yeah I think you're definitely right to raise that because it does look like a idealised kind of way of doing things with no drawbacks but but they definitely are and it's funny I wrote the article and as I said I came out here in January so my intention was to be a digital nomad but I'm not sure I am that if I'm going to stay inside on that kind of probably nulls the the nomad bit of it i didn't tell the guardian this when i was <laughs> commissioned but but no my intention was to be so it was something i researched a lot and i have met people who would fit that category but um 
so I think the main thing is that um, one woman who I'm friends with here told me that she so she's been on the move for about eight years or something and never really stayed in a place for longer than six months and you do kind of get that feeling where you are drained basically physically emotionally um, and it's great fun and you probably have great days where you are in like an idyllic location and you're on a beach and it looks great but she was saying it can be hard to build kind of relationships with people and places as well and you almost protect yourself by avoiding that so I don't know how this would work but I would imagine that if you're with a group of people maybe you don't you don't want to commit too much you don't want to almost, you almost don't want to like them enough because then you're kind of when you know you have to leave it's harder mm. uh, so I think there's definite downsides to it and um, so some people take that decision like I am going to move yeah constantly like every yeah. six months yeah. or so a- another guy who I spoke to for the article who is in Greece at the moment but he was saying he's lived in 50 cities or something over the last four years and I, I say lived but but been based mm. in to do work but that might be for two weeks a month at a mm. time and I think for some people that's great uh, you obviously would get to see so much of the world it's an amazing experience as well but for some people including myself i think i would find that too too much i think sounds exhausting yeah (laughs) exactly yeah um and to keep doing that obviously if you have like a a lot of people take a year out to go traveling which is different because you have a defined kind of period of time when you're doing that so being on the move for that period i guess is not so not that sense of permanent that being that permanent Mm. kind of uh upheaval and and change is something that i think a lot of people would maybe not enjoy even though it can kind of sound like the ideal way to do it so would you say that you're saying you, you're maybe not a nomad anymore mm. but would you say if your work is based in another country and you're living overseas doing it digitally you're still kind of a digital nomad right yeah yeah exactly it's more maybe the digital than the nomad bit yeah. but yeah no it's true and that's why it's hard to define how many there are I think because mm. there's no set definition so I'm actually doing a bit of kind of traveling for these next couple of months this football season's finished so i won't have quite as much work but i still will be working so if i spend three four months of this year outside of saigon is that kind of enough to still fulfill the gnome like there's no kind of set definition or set rules on on that so yeah definitely um and it is something that i think is a very privileged position as well um to be able to do that because i know a lot of people have jobs even if they think they can deliver it um, from anywhere and they probably can but you have to obviously get your employers on board with that as well and that's not always easy so it's not a thing um, it's not a thing that would suit everyone I think um, as much as I enjoy it and I'm enjoying it um, I think the most important thing is just to to not when you're researching it not kind of get trapped into thinking of just kind of the Instagram posts where you see people working with a laptop and because that does look great but it's not necessarily a fair reflection I mean, a lot of my days here are basically the same as, as it would be in London. Mm. Um, and there is that sense of excitement because you are in the place which, even if, you, I don't know what you find, but I haven't been here for longer than me, but there's still enough unfamiliarity and difference to kind of sustain that excitement. Oh, sure. I mean, just today we just yeah. went for a coffee at a new cafe, just 10 minutes down the road, yeah. never been before. Unbelievable exactly. coffee, cool place, and it, I said to my wife, I was like, "This is why I love Saigon yeah. because it's such a big uh, yeah. city." So many and discoveries. Been here for nearly three years, mm. and we never stop finding new things. Yeah. And obviously, new things are opening, but the stuff that we, we just yeah, don't yeah. know about. Yeah, it would take a lifetime, I think, wouldn't it? Or especially <laughs> that might not be enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, one thing to realize as well, I think, for people is that the same mundane things that you have at work, at home, will exist here as well, and a lot of days will be the same um 
maybe enlivened by a new discovery like a cafe but it's not kind of all constant beach parties yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well recently I don't know if you use Reddit I've just come across uh, Instagram versus reality yeah. have you seen this yeah I've seen some of them and uh, I, I, so I don't really use it oh I don't use Instagram I have an account but I don't use it mm. and so I, I'm learning about I didn't even really know what an influencer was yeah, until recently crazy, yeah. and yeah. um yeah, it's you see this Instagram versus reality, and and I think that is having a knock-on effect. Like you see, mm. people might be sitting in an office in London looking at Instagram, going, "Oh, look at that lifestyle! He's having a coconut on the beach." But the reality is, it could be loneliness. Could yeah, be definitely. Many, many other things. So, if someone is listening and they're thinking of becoming, if someone's listening, I hope somebody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> if somebody's listening who is thinking of becoming a digital nomad, what would you say to them? I would say just make sure you do your research and kind of find what suits you. There's no one way to do it. You can be someone who wants to move around a lot because maybe you want to see as much as you can. Or if you're someone who wants to stay in one place for six months, a year, then do that. Um, I think finding, making sure you're not maybe jeopardizing as well your whole, if you have a job you enjoy or I know a lot of people quit their jobs well, I don't know them, but I've seen lots of online stuff where they quit their jobs thinking it's going to be easy to pick up kind of remote work online. But there's an increasing number of people trying to do it and sometimes people might have more qualifications than others for certain roles. So I think just be sure that you're kind of... It's something which you can do, not just something you uh, sound, that sounds ideal but then maybe cause you problems further down the line. But I think just do, do research into it, I think, yeah. is the thing then. If you think it suits you, then then go for it. Don't just look at Instagram, quit your job one yeah, day, exactly, book a flight, yeah. and then yeah. just think. It's tempting, like, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've all been there. But. <laughs> and so, specifically to Saigon, what mm. what would you say to somebody who's thinking about coming to Saigon as a digital nomad? Um, I think it probably applies for across the board, but I think it's a city that I I love. But the same reasons that I love it, maybe some people wouldn't. I know it's a very big, chaotic city. It's loud. It's in your face, which I really like. Um, but I've lived in a big city, not quite the same kind of dynamic <laughs> as Sidon in London, but a bit more organised. But uh, if you come from maybe a smaller place, and I guess it could be overwhelming. Um, and luckily, I don't have to deal so much with the bureaucracy or the the job. I'm not employed by by a local kind of Vietnamese person or company so I've heard that that can sometimes be frustrating uh, getting stuff done but I think again it's just all about the research and knowing that what might work for someone wouldn't work for, for others I know you have <laughs> well we're just talking about Vietnam being a, yeah. being a loud chaotic city <laughs> if you can hear the banging in the background there's construction going on right above us at the moment and uh, if you live in Saigon, then you'll understand it. That's just a normal yeah, <laughs> daily occurrence. Quite quiet, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. We'll finish off with the same questions that I ask everybody that comes on to 7 Million Podcasts. Uh, we're going to ask you about Saigon, get some of your tips and what you like here. So first of all, what are your top three Vietnamese foods? It's a tough question, this one. Because there's a lot. I, I do really like Vietnamese food. Um, I like to try. I, I'm probably the unpickiest eater I've ever met. So I like to try new things. Now that is strange for an Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I've got a colleague who's English and going out. I've only been out for a couple of times. But it's like, is there chilies in that? What's in yeah, that? What yeah. does it taste like? And he's like, you know, like many English people. My mum is, is, yeah, yeah. My mum is, is probably would give him a run for his money, I'm sure. <laughs> 
Um, so I think I would go for uh, probably murdering the pronunciation here, but Buntit Nun, the uh, the grilled pork. Now that is funny because I, I don't know the correct pronunciation, but you might be murdering it because I learned recently. So. If you say <laughs> what you said, okay, you're saying horny oh. meat noodles. Okay, <laughs> so, nung yes is horny. <laughs> Grilled is no. Maybe that's what I meant. Have <laughs> you not tried it? So uh, apparently, someone told a uh, someone told a friend recently that it's the most common mistake that expats really? make, okay. and she overhears expats and expats asking for buntit num, yeah. which is horny meat noodles <laughs> instead of buntit num. Noon. Okay. So you got to smile right, and okay. num. There we go. There you I go. So you've been all, you, if you've been getting funny looks, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got funny dishes as well. <laughs> Why am I getting all these propositions yeah, yeah. and phone numbers? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one, yeah. Um, Bankankua, if I've said that one correct. It's the, uh, I really like the thick noodles. Um, so udon noodles in Japanese food. Um, and that's made, that's the thick noodles. Um, crab soup, quite thick, everything really. Um, big fan. And I've, I eat probably bread or bread-based things far too much. Um, so I'm very partial to a bambao, um, the pork kind of steam bun. Um, yeah, big fan. Big Thanks. fan. Yeah, they're pretty good. All right, and moving on. What is your favourite bar and your favourite beer? I'm a big craft beer fan. Yeah. I'm spoiled in this city with craft yeah. beer. So what would be your favourite bar and your favourite beer? That was, just to say, that was one of my biggest pleasant surprises. Actually. I wasn't expecting <laughs> yeah. so many kind of craft beer places. I don't know. Was that the same when you first arrived? Well, no, it's interesting. I first came to Vietnam on a holiday before yeah. we moved here. And uh, it came up in my memories recently. And we went to Pasteur Street Brewing. Yeah. And it, my post at the time was it was the only craft beer yeah. bar in okay. Saigon four years ago. It was yeah. the first and only one. And now I think there's about 12. Yeah. And you also get in bars that, that serve those yeah. breweries beer as well, so you can get it a lot, very widespread now. It's been crazy yeah. to watch the growth, because as I said, I lived in Wellington in New Zealand before mm. there, and that's yeah. known as like the craft yeah. beer capital of yeah. the Pacific, and yeah. the craft beer there is just, just spoiled. I mm. lived in the city, mm. and we had about 10 craft breweries just within walking distance of our, our apartment. And then we came here, and obviously we started drinking Ba Ba Ba, and Tiger, and, and <laughs> La because it's cheap, but then you get over it pretty quickly. And so Pasteur was there, and then just everything just opened so fast, and then it was just crazy, just spoiled for yeah, some it's amazing. So, mm. Well, sticking with Pasteur, that's probably I, I'm mm. into my dark beers at the moment. So I had a coffee porter from Pasteur Street recently, and yeah, that, that's jumped right up to number one in nice. my in my list. Yeah, really good, really good. Um, and my favourite bar is just around the corner from where I'm living, which is maybe part of the reason why I've chosen it, but a great bar as well. It's called again pronunciation maybe here, but uh, non non chai kwai. Yes, yes. I've just found this place. It's amazing. Kwai. Yeah, yeah. Was there just last yeah. week. Yeah, I'd never again just living in the city, never even heard of it. Yeah, and it's kind of not that area is not where you'd expect that kind of place. Like it's not. It's quite quiet um, area, like a little Japanese kind of neighborhood yeah. around there. But yeah, it's like a, a ruin bar, isn't it? The, the Hungarian little dive bar, right? Yeah, and like it's great. so many beers. They got beers from Hanoi. Yeah, and incredible menu. Yeah, it must be almost a hundred beers in total. More, I think. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone's listening, you live in Saigon. Look up Kwai, mm. K H O A I. Yeah. 
And what that district? What district is that? Uh, Bintan. Bintan. But yeah. it's not too far from District One. It's kind of just over the yeah. over the bridge, so it's not not have to venture too far if you're in the centre. That's a good show. Yeah, that is a really cool bar. Yeah, I'm quite excited to find that. And what's your favourite daytime place to drink? Um, I really like a place. So as I was saying about the co-working thing, recently having previously worked in one place, <clears throat> kind of all week. I've now been discovering new places, some other co-working spots, but also some cafes and places like that. Um, and I went the other day to Old Compass Cafe, mm. which was really nice, uh, really kind of homely. It's very central, isn't it? It's Tom just a, Street, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you kind of expect this obviously very busy area and it's maybe the fifth, sixth floor or something mm. like that. But really kind of quiet. Oasis of Calm, kind of in this middle of this. Really yeah, because that's one of the busiest kind of. Yeah, like, really busy in uh, junctions. Yeah, right there. And you got Liberty Central next door, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they do kind of everything, so you can get coffee there. They do, I think, they do all day breakfast. They do lunch, dinner, uh, craft beer, mm. um, wine. So it's one of those places where I think I, I went there to work, but I think it'd be great just to kind of hang out as well. Um, not very busy in the daytime, but kind of enough of an atmosphere to stop yourself going crazy yeah. <laughs> so yeah I really like that, that I think I need to go back there I've been there before yeah. but a long time ago I need to go check it out and um, so obviously you've made the decision that you're going to stay here for the foreseeable mm. future why do you stay? Um, I think part of it is to do some of it is to do with side on itself some of it is to do with other factors so I've made some good friends here um, I think any place after three months is kind of enough time where you feel like you're getting to know it but I felt it's too soon to kind of leave. There's still so much more, as you were saying yourself, to, to discover. But I think Sidon just, for me, tips so many so many boxes. I think it's a really inter- interesting stage of its development right now. Um, you are seeing these increasingly craft beer places and burger joints and, and all these kind of new things popping up. But there's also very traditional areas that still retain that sense of... Uh, I love that in District 1, you can still kind of... You can go to these fancy places or you can go to just get a, a bowl of noodle soup for, for 30k or sort of for one pound or two dollars or whatever um, don't know my exchange rates too well but <laughs> no, trying to cover all right. bases yeah, yeah. No, so it, yeah the it, mix of stuff I think is, is one of my favourite things it's such a unique place I find just because of exactly what you said we're, we're so spoiled mm-hmm. now because um, so my sister-in-law and brother-in-law live here as well and they've been okay. here for five years and so for them and it's changed even yeah. more so than for, yeah. than for us and so for, when they first came here, there was almost nothing. And yeah. now we just have so many options for food and different cuisines and beer. And yeah. But then at the same time, you know your spots where you can go and get some, yeah. some you know, some awesome street food yeah. for like 20,000, 30,000. Exactly. It's, the fact that you can mix that up, like I sent a picture to my sister last week of some cum tam I had just, yeah. around, just outside of this building. And I was like, 30,000. Yeah, it's it was less than actually it was like twenty two thousand dollars, but less than a pound, and it, yeah. you know it's just incredible yeah. food. Um, and so, what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about Saigon? I think it's probably that actually, and I'm basing this on a couple of people, friends who have come over and recently, but they've both been surprised by kind of how modern a lot of it is in the centre anyway. Um, I think maybe there's still an impression, which is understandable, because if you're saying five years ago it was still very different to what it is now that it's not as kind of modern and um more backwards maybe people think it is um but i'm not sure because as i said i came here two years ago and i was trying to think what are my misconceptions what did i kind of not think about 
but I think having been here and kind of got a taste or kind of knew what I was expecting and then as I was saying with the whole digital nomad thing I did look quite seriously into where would be a place that I think I would like so I think I kind of learned from previous misconceptions before I arrived um, so there was nothing really that, that shocked me too much one thing though we mentioned Hanoi earlier I think it really is very very different I think maybe outside you don't realise outside the country you don't realise how that divide that still kind of exists and how different the two the two cities are and the people and the cultures as well um, something which maybe it, I underestimated I think having spoken to people now mm, yeah I didn't I still don't fully understand that but yeah no I wouldn't say I understand it but <laughs> <laughs> definitely heard that the people are very different but yeah oh, we won't go into that too no, much no. <laughs> and so obviously we know Saigon it's chaotic it's loud it's hot <laughs> it's noisy uh, the air pollution can be terrible the traffic's bad and sometimes I know uh, as an expat you just need to get out of town yeah where's your favourite place to get out of Saigon I mean it's something I probably haven't done as much as I should have actually um, I, I do work a lot of weekends with my job um, so that is often the prime time to get out but unfortunately I'm kind of holed up in front of a laptop which I shouldn't moan about too much but Vun um, <laughs> Tao I had a really good good trip there um, I actually got probably my worst sunburn I've ever got there Um <laughs> As you can see, Neil, I'm not the <laughs> not the most tanned of people. In um, Scotland, we call you Peely Wally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vungtau is um, a bad reputation, I think, and I was put off going there for the longest yeah. time because people said it was so terrible. And I went about six months ago, and I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've only been once, so I maybe need to go back to to see more of it. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I had a really good trip down to the Mekong Delta as well. I stayed in a, in Bencher, but mm. not in the city or the town. Um, kind of a bit further out, really nice farm stay it was. Uh, so very kind of rural and that was a nice little escape. Um, so I really enjoyed that as well. Nice. And so final question, um, not just thinking about being a digital nomad, thinking mm. in the context that we just said Saigon is a very unique and challenging yeah. city to live in. If someone's thinking of coming to Saigon to live, what advice would you give them? I think it's a very big city, as we said. So if you've already decided that it is a place you think you'd like to like to try, I think make sure you kind of live in an area which you think suits you. Um, I know a lot of expats live in District 2, Taodien, which for them suits their needs. For me, I do like where I live now, a bit more um, local, but I can see why a lot of people maybe, if, you, if you're someone who needs a bit more kind of comfort and um, if you're at a different stage of life or... For whatever reason, I think there's so much variety, isn't there, within the city that I think choosing the right place to, to base yourself. And maybe not, if you do come, not ruling out the whole city if you don't like the first place maybe that you're, you're living in. That's, yeah, that's good Try advice, a different area, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That is good advice, thinking about where to live. Because when we first decided to stay here, we lived in District 4 because we mm. liked it because it was like really local. It's yeah. one of the poorest districts. Yeah. In, I think it is the poorest district in Saigon. Okay. But it's so close to District 1 and yeah. close to District 7 and, it, yeah. you know, but it doesn't have much, many, like, expat places to go, yeah. which is fine. We wanted, like, a local experience. But then I remember we were at a party and we were talking to um, an, ex, an expat from New Zealand. He said, oh, where do you live? And we were, like, District 4. And he's like, ugh, <laughs> why do you live in District 4? Mm. We're like, oh, well, we wanted to, get, we wanted to like, live in Vietnam. Yeah. And he lived in District 7. He's like, I don't want to live in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I live in District 7 and I'm like why would you come all the way exactly. here and live yeah. in this different environment and yeah. then just want to be in like a, yeah. this sterile District 7 foamy hung environment and it, it is I'm not saying that that's wrong you know and it's 
Nah. Fine, if, like you say, if that's what you want, but to to dismiss coming here to live in a place yeah. like yeah. that surprised me. Yeah, I think if you if you want to live there, that's absolutely fine. But to kind of sneer at people who want something slightly different and maybe more authentic, then, yeah, very <laughs> very strange. It's a bit strange. But I think that is good advice. Like, if you don't like where you live, don't rule out the whole city. No. Because there might be somewhere else exactly. that you live yeah. better. Yeah. And because they are so different and often you can go on the bike for 15, 20 minutes and be in a totally different area, can't you? So, it's, it's, yeah, it's not enough, I don't think, to, to sample one place and decide you really love or really hate the whole thing because I haven't discovered half of the places <laughs> yet. So, Yeah, that's very true. Well, thank you very much for joining me. A really you. interesting, great talking to you. Yeah, great to chat. I think some good advice there for anyone who's thinking of becoming a, a digital nomad or anyone who's thinking about uh, living in Saigon. Uh, good luck with Crystal Palace. <laughs> good luck with we your travelling for the next couple of months. Thank Where you are you going much. to? Um, China and South Korea and Malaysia. Nice. And yeah. so you'll be working while you're travelling? Yeah, I'm not sure how much I'll be working. As much as I can, I think. But yeah, I'm hoping to have maybe half of the week to, to travel and explore and then maybe the other half to, to fund my, my it's travels. not a bad life, eh? Not no, life, can't eh? complain. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you very much. Thanks for joining me on an episode of 7 Million Bites, a Saigon podcast. <laughs>
As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.